don't like go through a 30 minute interview and then say, so you're not going to quote any of that, are you? And it's like, ah, oh, <laughs> that's what I was talking to you for. <laughs> From Comcast, NBC, Universal, Lift Labs, it's Ideas Elevated, the podcast for entrepreneurs that inspires and elevates innovative products to their full potential. I'm Danielle Kahn, your host and head of Lift Labs, and today I'm chatting with Michelle Caffrey. Michelle covers technology and education for the Philadelphia Business Journal. In our conversation, Michelle will share tips for entrepreneurs looking to have their company or product featured in the press. We'll talk about some very common mistakes that first-time founders make when working with the media and how to make your product story really stand out. All this and more about how entrepreneurs can establish a great rapport with reporters. Now with Michelle Caffrey on Ideas Elevated. Today, we're just here to really get to know you a little bit and for the audience, which is startups, to learn some tips from huh. a reporter. Awesome. Yeah. I have a lot. <laughs> Great. Uh, walk us through your process a little bit of putting together your daily story. Give us a little snapshot of where you get your ideas from. Sure. So a lot of it comes from just events, talking to people, knowing about companies that are launching, raising money. And so it's really about digging into their stories. And people always ask me, what questions do you have uh, to prepare for this interview? What questions are you going to ask me? I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of like, tell me your story and I'm going to find the questions there. And, you know, it's always kind of about stepping back and looking at the big picture and saying, okay, what is this startup doing? Who are they trying to affect? What's the problem they're trying to solve? And a lot of times I know startups are told to really start their pitches with the problem first. And I feel like I've mirrored that with my own writing as well, because that's that draws the reader in right away when they see this problem. You got to get the backstory of the people. I think the most interesting stories I've ever written have really crazy stories, how they came about. I just wrote about a startup called Gen Z. And they're in Philly. They're, it's like a kid's shoe sizing app. Really cool stuff. Hmm. And it started, they got the idea, the founders, when they were teaching abroad in Western China in like a remote province. And it made for a great lead. And, and I don't know if I would have gotten that if you don't really kind of dig into the personal side of people. So I like to kind of weave yeah. all of those in. What are some other things you look for in, in good startup stories? I think when I can see investors behind that I really trust and I know they're smart investors, that's something that that draws me, that gives instant credibility. A lot so ju- of, just like other investors look at yeah, strong so, investors as a signal, you also look at that as yeah, a good definitely. story. So if I see, you know, Gabriel Investments is investing in a Philly company um, or... Josh Koppelman's investing in a company and I'm going to pay more attention to it. But not to say that people who are, I also love bootstrap companies too. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really compelling uh, business model that doesn't get the praise that VC companies get. Um, So I think that that's, I'm more, I'm actually drawn to bootstrap companies a lot too, because I think that they have such a different story to tell. Uh, and anytime anybody's raising money, getting traction, uh, you know, kind of making waves in some sense, launching something that's different or new. I recently wrote about a cremation startup oh. that was, you know, they didn't use the words Uber for cremation. That was my editor. <laughs> I tend to avoid that phrase at all costs. But I, I mean, just to give you a sense of how wacky and, and interesting things can pop up. And, and I love those type of stories. I'll have to keep that one in my in my wallet. 
<laughs> um, what should a, a startup never, ever, ever say to a reporter? Can I read the story before you publish it? First of all, when I hear that, I think, wow, you've never worked with the media before. You don't know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> you're a newbie. Your thesis and yeah. your NBA, right? And if it's a new startup, I get it. They've never done I'm totally cool being like, yeah, we just don't do that. No reporters do that. Um, but it just, it's like a jarring question to a reporter. Yeah. And what's the best way to to reach you. I, I grew up in the PR world where you mm. actually wrote a press release and then you put it out on the wire or you faxed it, believe it or not. And so I remember getting faxes. what's <laughs> the best way to reach you? Where do you, when people, I'm not asking for your email address, right, but of course, you know, I, I mean, I think email is the most efficient, especially my work yeah. email, because that's just, I do have to check it constantly mm -hmm. and I'm mm -hmm. not the best at getting back. So one or two follow-ups is fine. Uh, the fifth follow-up, probably don't have the time or I'm probably not interested. Um, and I will say, I, I used to be like, yeah, give me a call. But when I first started, now I'm like, no, please don't call me. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll look at your pitch, but like it's, I just don't have the time, you know, mm -hmm. to pick up the phone for everybody. Right. I, I was, I wish I did have the time, definitely. Uh, but and working do you, definitely do you the get, best. Uh, you, do you get ideas through social media too? Oh yeah, Twitter's great for that. Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter's really, really good for that. I wouldn't suggest DMing me though for, right. you know, contacts just because I, I'm not, I miss them a lot mm -hmm. and I don't really, you know, engage with that as much, but yeah. I definitely get a lot from social media. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit of an echo chamber though. So it's, it's right. I like to kind of get out to weirder events sometimes. I feel like that's a great place to get some info. That's great. I remember you and I were talking the other night um, about some of the trends that you've been spotting, especially mm -hmm. going, you went to a conference recently and you yeah. found it really uh, it was really around AI. Yeah. But what are some of the trends you're seeing in the startup space? Yeah, artificial intelligence is huge. I'm hearing about that a lot. Everybody's telling me it's AI powered. So mm -hmm. um, I went to a National Press Foundation fellowship that was four days long, dug into everything about AI. And I really realized how I wasn't kind of asking the right questions of these startups of, okay, you know, what level of AI? AI is on such a really on, on a surface level right now than, than what people are afraid it's going to become. So I think that startups need to be a little bit more realistic with how they're kind of talking about AI, a little bit more transparent. Uh, there's a lot of issues with bias kind of getting baked into AI. So it's really important to look at training data and, and how you're kind of building and feeding into those systems. So I think that's something that I've seen a lot of. Mm -hmm. uh, I've also seen a ton of IoT, a ton of Internet of Things, uh, putting sensors on everything. What's uh, well, one of the coolest things you've seen in that space that personally or professionally gets you excited? Well, this is, I wrote a, a big cover piece about what a smart Philadelphia would look like. Mm. And so I was chatting with uh, Ellen over at uh, city government and she was saying that there's a, a possibility for sensors to detect potholes before they form based on oh, pressure, amazing. pressure in the grounds and... Um, mm. I forget exactly what the sensors, you know, kind of, mm. you know, how they work together. But I think it's also like predictive 
analytics that are baked into that as well. But I wonder what you could do to fix it before it happens. Yeah, I'm not even sure about right? that. I'm not well versed in uh, asphalt or uh, no, civil pot- engineering. Potholes but are prime for disruption, yeah. right? And I think I think Ed Rendell <laughs> said like if he could fix anything in the city, it would be fixing the potholes. So even little yeah. things like that, I think, could really make a big difference. But yeah, um, they say that mayors get more calls about potholes than any other complaint in, in any. Yeah, it's those little things that I think could just be a big thing. Um, And then in general, I think that when you're talking about kind of smart cities and all of this, kind of trends, technologies that are going on. It's really about data and how that data is talking together and how that data is working together. So that's kind of what I'm really interested to now is is getting the cleanest data, getting the best data. How how are you getting those data sets to work together? And I think once you're kind of able to to mix many different things, you'd be able to get a lot more insights. I mean, mixing air quality sensors with absences with the school district, you know, is bad air quality in Kensington affecting attendance for students? Something like that. I mean, that's Mm. completely, I've just made that up. But But who knows, maybe it impacts energy level or feeling sick or whatever those exactly yes yeah. so i feel yeah. like the the intersection of data could unlock a lot more insights that mm. are actionable which is exciting love it okay so in our last minute yes uh three tips for listeners mm-hmm. what are three tips that you would give to someone who is getting ready mm-hmm. to put together their elevator pitch and start putting it out to the universe what are three tips? I hate the word solution. Please don't use the word solution. Okay, don't use solution. Because every, you know, people always say we're a solutions provider. We, you know, have the solution, and it's nobody's a problem provider, or at least admits they are. So I feel like that's something me and my coworkers in the office. I'll that's, say on a phone call with a startup, just I challenge you, don't use the word solution because it doesn't tell me what you do. Tangible details. Tell me what one person using your software using your you know platform whatever it is you've created you know how does that impact the exact work that person is doing i want tangible details uh so that's a big thing um also laying the ground rules don't you know know what on record on background off the record means and make sure you're clear about that up front don't talk can you talk a little bit about yeah on the record off the record what does that mean off the record is like this is you're not printing any of this anywhere. This is just for your own personal knowledge, just so you know what's going on here. Um, and like off, off record. That is just beyond. Um, and why would someone want to say something to a reporter off the record? I think because it gives the reporter more of a better context of what's going on here. Uh, a lot of times I need things off record because people be like, okay, listen, like the reason we're not launching is, you know, my mom's going through an illness or something like that, or, you know, just, you know, I'm a human. I feel like I'm a nice person. Like, just be le- like level with me, you know, mm-hmm. off the record, just kind of give me the big picture because it helps my reporting just to know what questions to ask, what, what direction to take things in. Backgrounds more, I can kind of weave this in as authoritative knowledge. This is more contextual mm-hmm. info, not citing anybody told me it, not saying who, uh, kind of gave me this info, but it just helps the story have that, um, yeah, more, more helpful context, really, you know, kind of see what that's about. So that's always really helpful. But the biggest thing is just don't like go through a 30 minute interview and then say, so you're not going to quote any of that, are you? Cause then it's like, ah, oh, <laughs> that's what I was talking to you for. <laughs> so that, that's always really frustrating. Um, and then I would always say, 
do your homework first. I think this might be a little bit mm -hmm. more applicable to people who do specific marketing roles when it comes to uh, tech and startups is, you know, know what I write about, know what I don't write about, you know, don't pitch me a, you know, a guide for consumers for like tech toys for Christmas. Like I'm a business, mm -hmm. you know, we're very like, we're for businesses. So, I mean, that's just an example, but um, definitely you gotta be able to do your homework and um, you know, also look at my work. I know what the cloud is. Don't right. spend me, tw don't tell like 10 minutes explaining what the cloud is. And so I think that that can just make any interview Got more it. efficient. Awesome. All right. So the three tips were, um, don't use jargon, especially yes. the word solution. solution. Yes, please. No, <laughs> please. That's my personal crew. Two is, is no on the record, off the record yeah, be and clear. be really upfront, upfront. Don't waste your time. And yes. the third, do your homework, is do your homework, mm -hmm. know and what you're so, getting into. Michelle Caffrey from the Philadelphia Business Journal. Thank you so much for joining us Thank on Ideas Elevated, the podcast of Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs. Thanks. This has been Ideas Elevated from Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. For more information and to find us on social, head to ComcastNBCULift.com or check out the show notes. This episode was produced and edited in Philadelphia by our partners, Kevin Schmidlin of Q9 Creative and Rec Philly, with original music by Lee Rosevier and theme music by The Last Generation on film. From Left Labs, I'm Danielle Kahn. Until next time. <laughs>